Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek for all nerds. Where we talk geek culture from the perspective of people of color, and it's your boy, DJ Ben Hameen, aka Soldier 70 Spliff, rolling two chains, the Captain Kirk of hip hop, Wakanda's favorite DJ, and Hash Ketchum. Yeah. Here in the spaceship tonight. As always, I am joined by Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Sean Jean Luc Picard, Ivan Yeo, Chance the Parappa, Trill Quiss, and the Shade Runner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Tatiana. How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm excited. I-, I got to see Cameron last night. It was amazing. Nice. <laughs> I almost got to see Cameron last night, but I couldn't <laughs> hang and so yeah, you know. Things happen. Things happen, folks. Didn't make it into that one, but yeah, that's it's, all right. Yeah, it's all good. You know, I've seen Cam, Killer Cam, a couple of times, so I'm not I've, mad. I've never seen him in person, let alone performing. So that was definitely an experience for me. I'm happy I got to do it. Will I ever do that type of? It was like a free concert. Would I ever do that again? No. <laughs> I'm not about to stand online and be squashed up with a bunch of people. But I'm just glad I did it. Nice, nice. You know, and it's been a lot of experiences this week going on, boy. It's been a big week as always. And today especially, it just feels like everything happened today. And, you know, as everyone who follows Fan Bros Show on Twitter, you know, you should be following Fan Bros Show. Hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll have broken that 7,000 mark. Mm -hmm. Thank you to all Mm -hmm. of our followers. You know, we love y'all. Y'all are the best and, you know, today it was popping because Black Panther, you know, Entertainment Weekly has the new Black Panther cover dropping and all kind of images and news from the film were in it. You know, you could have seen them all on Fanbro Show Instagram. But if you didn't, you need to get over there right now because, whoo, Lord of mercy. What did you think, Ben? I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Like, what did I Okay, so it's Ruth Carter who is the real hero of this right now. Like, because we haven't gotten to see much from the trailer. You know, I mean, we saw the early tra- trailer, but we haven't seen much more than that. And it's just been the still images that have just been killing it. And the details in the costume design. Like, the one that really just blew me away today, because I never noticed it before, was the scarification tattoos on Michael B. Jordan on Killmonger. Yo, because you can't, you didn't know or you can't tell that those are on him during the trailer. Mm -hmm. So, the still image, I, I was just like, son, they went, like, when I say they went there, I mean, the level, I mean, we already know the level of detail is going to be just almost inhuman but like this is really legendary levels at this point this stuff that you did not imagine or think that would be part of the costuming again stuff that you probably couldn't even notice because of the moving images on the trailer to be able to see it and be able to have it in front of you and study it study the way the the lines and the patterns study the way the colors intersect each other study the way the different tribes and areas within Um, all the different countries in Africa, how they have inspired all this clothing that Ruth put together. It is monumental, incredibly monumental. I mean, it's just a massive feeling I got when I saw this. It's just so much pride right now. Mm -hmm. 
And then they went the extra step and they said that they want Black Panther to be a cross between what Godfather and was the other film that they referenced? Oh man, I'm 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 just stuck right oh, now. Oh, did, did did Ruth mention this? No, no, the director Kugler. I think this comes from the story uh, in the issue itself when they're talking about that it references the Godfather, you know, because it has this big family drama and then all the big action of a big superhero film. So it's just like. I mean, they're just shooting for the roof. Because when you mention God, I mean, past the roof, like no ceilings, like, you know, bitch out to mm-hmm. Blue Ivy. I ain't never seen ceilings <laughs> in my whole life. Because, like, when you, mention, yeah, when you mention the Godfather, like, you're talking the pinnacle of films. So, you know, right away, you have a lot to live up to. And just from the beauty of this movie, I'm like, I mean, man, you know, now, okay, that's what I'm saying. So far, we've seen so many dope images, you know, from the trailer, from these still pictures. And now we got to see, you know, some story now becomes the thing. And, you know, on that note, they are also talking about how the main villain isn't Michael B. Jordan with his starification tattoos. It's going to be Claw. You know, Killmonger is a villain in the film, but he's not the main villain of the film. The main villain is still Claw. But I thought, but at least for me, I was like, but y'all didn't know that? I mean, he's the only European in, <laughs> in this Wakanda nation. Of course, he's the real villain. Um, that stereotype aside, uh, I, it's Andy Serkis as well. So um, Andy Serkis does not, Andy Serkis's characters are legit. When it comes to whether it's being an incredibly strong uh, leadership or if it's just an incredibly strong uh, villain typically that's Andy Serkis so if you see him there you kind of could put two and two together yes there's always the um it, particularly like if you don't know the story like yeah Killmonger can be considered a villain but also he's just sometimes for most people he's just misunderstood um he just has different differing opinions from T'Challa and 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 some of the other family members so he's a pseudo villain per se a proto I, I don't know what to call that like the one step below the main um but he's not the not the real enemy let's say that no he's definitely not the real enemy he's basically like he i mean not to give too much away but he wants what t'challa has you know he right. wants to be the king he wants to be black panther etc and it just didn't work out like that while claw you know sir andy circus now i don't know about all the leadership and stuff i'm i know andy circus from being gollum you know, got him, got him. Like, Andy Circus is also Caesar from Planet of the Apes. Oh, true, true. And okay. like every other, ca- I mean, I could pull up his IMDb. The point I mean, is, wasn't he also King Kong? He's played a lot of. He's apes. played a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he's played a lot of of creatures. Yeah. But well, but not that say like I mean not he's not always the bad guy, but like ninety percent of the time he is. So I, I just like I said, with nothing else aside, I just felt like you should know that that's really gonna probably be the main guy. And also, I just, I mean, really, I think I knowing that he is the main villain makes it, me think that they're really going to go well with Claw because Claw is, I mean, he's he's had his really dope moments in comics. But beyond that, Andy Serkis, you know, brings that level of acting to it because Gollum, you know, is one of the greatest creations in cinema. Like for it to be a CGI yeah. creation and you just sit there and feel it. Yeah. You, know, you felt Gollum. So isn't Claw like I've I mean I don't know too again, I don't know too much about his backstory and all that stuff, but isn't Claw not that high up on the villain scale or is he? Like no, it, I mean at a certain point Claw has been very high up on the villain scale because later on in the com well in the comics he eventually gets turned into sound itself. Oh oh okay. 
yeah, he's like sound he, yeah, he becomes like a no, he becomes like a solid sound dude. Like you know, he can form himself out of energy, and at that point, he becomes super powerful and super dangerous, and wow. has been super crazy at points. So yeah, he's definitely a problem. But yeah, at the same time, he's not like the major villain. But he's always been a problem for Black Panther because he's the one who stole vibranium. The vibranium right. is what eventually turns him into sound. I think you know, so it's like he always has this connection with the panther listen i feel like at the end of the day anybody who's coming into the kingdom to basically fuck shit up you can't trust them nah nah you can't no trust one, them you know wakanda's the golden country it's never been colonized right. never been invaded but there's so, also you know, a reason why that. they essentially hide themselves so mm-hmm. they don't want none of that foolishness so yep. you also mentioned that ew released all of these beautiful really really gorgeous images of black panther they also released images from ava duvernay's wrinkle in time you saw mother oprah with her gold brows you see mindy calling and her like giant i don't even know their leia buns but they're like giant braided sides that she has on her hair with like a, a, a bang and then um who do we, we also have Ruiz witherspoon there so and she has like it looks like she like she's a redhead but looks like she they're dreads i'm not sure if they're locks or what but they all look really beautiful and their character specifically with mindy calling her character is mrs who um reese witherspoon is mrs what's it and Oprah is Mrs. Witch. Yep, as in witch, like who, what, where, w- when, yeah, which. Right, the five W's or whatever. So yeah. um, the Wrinkle in Time is actually coming out to theaters March 9th, 2018. And I just, again, I just love how all of these images are breathing life into these random ideas people have in their head about what something's supposed to look like. Um, or when they hear or read about these different projects going on and people who are in charge of all these projects just like really faves people's faves we said Ava DuVernay you said Ryan Coogler you said Ruth Carter and just a whole bunch and and obviously the entire cast of Black Panther themselves these are faves so people already have ideas in their head about what things are supposed to look like how it's supposed to be personified so then to actually see it in the flesh you're like whoa like it's startling but it's the greatest feeling and not only that, let me make this prediction right now. Let me call this right now because I didn't know it was coming out March 9th. So you know what's going to be the most incredible moment is when Black Panther and A Wrinkle in Time are the number one and number two movies. You probably know for it. about like I I'll give it till even the end of March. You like, you you absolutely know it. Number one and number two movie until the end of March. Of course it is. Yeah. And then also, like I feel like today was Black People Day at EW because they also released an image from CW's Black Lightning. It's from the pilot episode. You see um, the main star, Cress Williams. You see him. Uh, I guess he's in a workshop. And you see like all of his the soldering irons and all his tools and screens and stuff like that. And then what looks to be like the breastplate of his suit. Yep, yeah, because I see the black well, excuse me, black lightning, <laughs> black lightning sign. <laughs> that's, that's another <laughs> The black lightning sign on his thing. So, um, so black lightning is coming out this fall. And again, super <laughs> excited to see this. We already see what he's going to like. We already see his daughter's going to like last week. We talked about how his daughters are going to be suited and booted up with their powers. This is going to be fire. 
uh, I'm not gonna go that far just yet, but I will say I that. Think, I think. Listen, even if the story is not so fire, <laughs> I'm gonna I watch say a lot of these CW seeing, shows. I'm, uh, me too, and I and I stopped watching a lot of CW shows for, <laughs> yeah. for for various reasons. But what is gonna be fire is to see this family, this superhero family. I'm just really excited to see the girls, the daughters. Yes. Like that's what I when I say fire, that's really what I'm talking about. I want to mm. see how they roll, how they move, and then like you said, we'll see what the story comes. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're taking their time with it, and for one reason or another, they, they didn't want to integrate with the other CW shows, so, and they claim they did that because they really want to get it right, quote-unquote, so we'll see what happens. We'll see how long that lasts, too. I, I, I personally think that's a mistake not to integrate with the, and I say integrate, like this is a you know civil rights situation, but I think it's a, it was a mistake not to merge with the other CW shows. So you're not, so for you guys, you don't know, there, there's not going to be any Arrow, there's not going to be any Supergirl or anything like that related to Black Lightning. They're putting that in its own universe. But like we've said before, and like he said, you know, his quote is, the quote from the creators is, at this time is not part of the Arrowverse. And that at was this time, yeah. at this time. But you know, it, regardless of whether it's at this time or not, I'm just like, that's just still weird that from Jump Street, they didn't decide to do it, but whatever. That's just my view. Pretty much, you know, we'll see what happens. It, it's good though either way, but like we say, we're excited about the family aspect, you know, a whole black family with superpowers, an African-American family with superpowers, however you want to call it, on TV, that's gonna be lit, you know. Yep. Yep, yep, and and we there's so much going on in the next what nine months? Oh my god! Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, are you gonna tell them something that's going on right now? Though is the question because there's something coming up right now. As all loyal listeners of Fanbro Show know, the art show. <laughs> still going with this name <laughs> we really are i mean we're we're too far gone right now like drake we're so far gone so you know it's coming up the art show july 27th at pinkies pinks p-i-n-k apostrophe s at Ooh, pinks that slip. that's all right but 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 it probably will help people remember but pinks bar in nyc this is our live art event uh, we're doing in tandem with an amazing artist named Merge Her and us, Fanbro Show, for all nerds. We have identified a lot of amazing, incredible artists. Y'all are not ready for this art. I'm telling you, if you're going to be in the New York City area on the 27th and for two weeks after that, you will be able to go to Pink's Bar and check out the artwork. However, if you will be in NYC on the 27th, join us because we're going to have an amazing opening gala event. Your very own DJ Ben Ami will be spinning the hits and some more stuff that you probably should know, but he will teach you because that's what he does. And you'll be able to experience this art along with great drinks, food, and good company. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, make sure you come through. And if you want to contribute, we are still looking for artwork. You know, you can hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. You know, we might be accepting a few last-minute submissions if you have that dopeness. So make sure you hit us, contact at fanbros.com. It could be canvas work. It could be sculptures. It, you know, nothing giant size, but it could be sculpture work. It could be stuff you hang on the wall. Like, it could, we are open to everything, every style. Just hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. 
Word up. And we're going to take a quick break right here. But before we go, I got to let y'all know we have a really quick little interview with the homie Kihon Lee. He's one of the stars of the upcoming film Wish Upon. You know, I talked to him for a quick minute. We talked about a few things as far as horror and film and Asian representation. So, you know, make sure you check it out after break and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. All right, we are here with Ki Hong Lee, star of the upcoming film Wish Upon. Wish Upon is a upcoming horror flick, which is directed by John Leonetti and written by Barbara Marshall. Let's all welcome Ki Hong to the spaceship today. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks for the warm welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Good to have you here today. Good to have you. Now, okay, to let people know out there, I'm a big fan of one of your other films, The Maze Runner. But this is, yeah, definitely one of my joints, yo. We got to talk about that a little later. But this one, Wish Upon, is quite a different role for you. So you're not a fan of horror. So what drew you into this? Um, I think uh, working with the director, John Leonetti, working with uh, Joey King, um, the actress in it, and also the fact that this, uh, this role is... Uh, a substantial role in the fact that like he has an integral part to the story. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like a, it's not one of those things where they, uh, they kill me in the first five minutes of the movie, you know? Uh, <laughs> I was really so worried about that. Was, <laughs> that was, uh, that was a very key factor in my decision <laughs> to take this role on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't lie to you, though. When I saw, you know, Asian dude in a horror film, I'm like, oh, you know, he's, he might not make it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone's thinking the same thing, you know. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, um, on the note of the horror, like, the, I mean, the level of gore in this movie and, like, you know, the way that people are dispatched is really unique, and there, there's a lot of it. So... Like, is not being a fan of horror, how did you deal with, you know, coming to work every day? When I read the script, I was scared. And, <laughs> but then when you're, when you're filming it, you, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird process, you know, because you kind of see it behind the curtain of like how it's made. And so a lot of that was taken out for me because I could see the, um, the actor that had just, the character that had just passed away, but then I would see them in real life and I'll be having a great <laughs> engaging conversation with them. So in, in terms of that, you know, you, you, it kind of takes you out of it, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of horror movies just cause I'm a big wuss. And so I, um, luckily I wasn't there. Most, a lot of the days were, uh, uh they were shooting the scary stuff. So I kind of lucked out in a way. All right. Now, the plot of this movie, it revolves around the lead character. uh, I mean, the lead character, Joey King, and she gets this magical box. And like, as soon as she gets it, my first question is like, yo, has anyone in this movie ever seen any of the Hellraisers? 
It's like, why did he, why would you mess with a magical bots after that? So did, does Hellraiser just not exist in this universe? <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, um, no, <laughs> they did not, she did not think it through. She did not think it through. She was being impulsive. Uh, she was. It was. Uh, it was not a wise decision on her part. It was. Uh, it was. It was premature. She was not. She was not advised uh, properly. You know, um, and I think that's that's I think that's the message is that you know, if you if you find yourself in a situation where you're you're tasked with a, a, some something mysterious, maybe maybe take a step back a little bit. Maybe uh, maybe take a guess the uh, the consequences of your actions. I mean, you could go on Netflix. You know, check out some other movies. <laughs> Magical boxes <laughs> never turn out great. <laughs> All right. Now, also on Ryan, he's one of the leads of the film, but like we said, he's not the lead. This is actually really interesting because you really don't get to see a character. I mean, you don't get to see characters like Ryan or like Joey King in this film where it's like Joey is the lead. You know, she's the tough, I mean, not the tough girl, obviously, because she, you know, not, maybe not the most, uh, what's the word, um, didn't think things through character, like you said. But, you know, mm-hmm. Ryan's romantically interested in her, but Claire might not be so much, you know, interested in Ryan. And since your character okay. seems to be stuck in it, do you believe in the concept of a friend zone? I mean, does a, does a friend zone exist? Absolutely. Um, can you get out of the friend zone? Absolutely. Into it as much as I thought they would. Um, because it, I did have alternate takes and alternate scenes uh, with Claire, where uh, mm-hmm. there was a more of a romantic spark there. But I guess maybe, uh, I guess it, maybe it just didn't work uh, as a whole uh, for the other story, for, for the other storylines, and for the movie as a whole. But yeah, he did eventually uh, get out. So oh, okay, okay. There, is, there, a case study exists, and there is a success rate. <laughs> But it is very low. <laughs> and in this one, we're going to have to wait for the sequel for that, maybe, because, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, always got to look forward to that. But on another note, as far as your character on film, there's been, like, I wouldn't say backlash, but I'd say some rumblings lately that there's been, people have been having problems with, let's say, the magical, technical Asian sidekick. And, like, with the lack of Asian representation in film right now, do you feel that this is an issue? Um, uh, Asian playing psychics? Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I, like, I just saw this recently when people were already upset about um, Spider-Man Homecoming because uh, oh, really? Tom Holland's character. Yeah, I, I was blown away, too. I was like, wow, I really loved it. You know, and I loved this character. But a lot of people were mad at Ned because he's the sidekick, and they and people pointed out to me other instances of this happening. Oh, I see, I see. You know what? This mm-hmm. is a, I can I can spend like an hour on this, but I mm. think I think what it is is that I think what it is fundamentally is people. It's it's um, we're not gonna take it. <laughs> not gonna take it you know it, that's that's the mantra i feel it's just like they're sick of it now people are just like no 
it's time mm-hmm. for a Asian lead or it's time for a person of color, whatever minority it is. It's time to diversify. It's time for 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 different takes on movies. It's time for different leads to rise up, um, whether it's a man or a woman, whether it's black or, or Asian or Indian, whatever it is, you know, and I think, I think that's the, that's the mantra. And, you know, but the, the, the uproar is not fair. And sometimes, because I think I haven't seen Spider-Man, but I, I heard great things about Ned and his character. And I've mm-hmm. heard, you know, great things about the movie as well. So, you know, the, the whole narrative gets kind of uh, like bogged down when uh, just people start complaining, just to, just to complain. But I think, I think that's the that's the mantra is that people don't want to take it anymore. It's just like it's time for a change. And they're rising up and they're 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 speaking their mind. Mm. Yeah, it's like you said, it's kinda of like a fine line type of thing because it's like like I was loving that, but then I also understand when people are like, Yo, that's kinda of wet because there's been this guy, there's been this guy and now it's Ned and now it's you know, next week we're gonna have another one and they're like, Yo, well like you said, we're not gonna take it anymore. Right, right. I think I think it's like I, th- I just think it's the, the 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 desire to see themselves, the audience themselves, in as the lead role. It's like when you when you're watching a movie, which character do you identify with, and what do you want to see? I want to see uh, a movie about me, a person that looks like me, and with my sort of perspective. And I think people are just like, well, it's time now. It's our time. You know, to, mm-hmm. to to see movies like that now. So, um, it's a complex issue, you know. And I think sometimes uh, minorities play psychics and it's and it's whack. It's if there's no substance mm-hmm. to the character. There's no, you know, you're just the butt of the joke, or you're just there, just just stock quota, unfortunately. And um, but other times you have a psychic, and the role is essential. It is a very pivotal role. And in those instances, yeah, I think it's great. But also, do we want and do we need more minorities in, in the characters? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, I'm with the mantra of, like, we're not going to take it. Like, now is the time to, to try and fix that. All right. Without giving away too much of the ending, what would you like to see from the next installment of Wish Upon? And would you be down to be in a sequel? Oh, man. <laughs> I know no. it's tough because of the ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? If, if there is a sequel... I would I would want to see and oh man I am a big wuss okay I don't like scary movies but the scary movies the scary movies that frighten me the most are movies that deal with like demon possession and so mm. I'm saying this out of out of maybe the possibility that I could like fix my fear of horror movies if the sequel I would want, if, if there was a sequel, I would want there to be some element of demon possession so that, like, when I'm acting in it, like, I can get over my fear of horrible movies. Mm, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, everyone, make sure you go out there and check out Wish Upon. We've been chilling here with Kihon Lee, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros. All right. This is DJ Maceo, a.k.a. Dr. Spock. You know what it is. It's your boy, Young Guru, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Not a Brahma. Hey, yo, 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 this is Foul Munch. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray. What's up? This is Spike Lee from the Republic of Brooklyn, New York. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. 
And welcome back, fam bros. Hope you've been enjoying this episode. Big shout out to Ki Hong Lee. Like I said, thank you for joining us for that quick joint. We got to get you back here, man. We got much to talk about because I didn't even get to speak to my brother about uh, Maze Runner. You know, <laughs> and how ill that first one is and, you know, how they... Well, let's just say we're hoping the third one, you know, returns to form of the first one. You didn't even comment on the second one. Oh, hey, hey, you know, you can't say, hey, you know, uh, anyway, uh, and some other things that are happening on Fan Bro Show, as always, one of my favorite segments is The Guac is Extra. And what do we have up first, Tatiana? The first item comes from Jay. Jay writes, Greetings, fellow blurds. I hope everything is cool on a spaceship. I've listened to Fan Bros for over a year now, and I like to say how proud I am of both Ben and Tatiana. Thank you. As people, he is also a bison, so gives his shameless HU plug. HU, you know? Um, <laughs> we can't help it. <laughs> his question is uh, for both of us Do we see Marvel Studios bringing the Young Avengers into the fold in phase four or five of the MCU? Um, do we see that? <laughs> I mean, there's some other comments here, but let's answer that question. Do we see that happening? Ooh, uh, let's hope so. And it's funny because that's like both of the questions for this week, really, because also shout out to the homie Donzel. He asked, did they, do we think that will they eventually reboot the universe with characters like Miles Morales and Riri Williams, the new Ironheart? I think if they want to continue keeping the machine going, they're going to have to simply because the actors that are playing the, the, the mantles now are not going to always be there 10, 15 years from now. I mean, this MCU timeline spans over at this point, what, 12 years now? And, and it's probably going to keep going further than that just by virtue of aging, just by virtue of actors and actresses just getting tired of playing a role. Um, I, I think that if they want to keep that momentum going, like if they want to have essentially an Iron Man 25 or some something like that, they're going to have to. Now, when I say have to, I mean they're going to have to reboot with new actors and whatnot. Will they use these characters, Miles Morales and Riri? I, I don't, I'm not sure. Only because they are going to, if, if, they're, if they're doing on the same kind of corny wave of, diversity doesn't work then we don't know what's gonna what they're gonna do with these characters riri both riri and miles have had uh just amazing feedback from the viewership they're people who really like them those characters they like their stories so as long as those stories like continue and people uh are appreciate like really like the what the direction those characters are going i think there is a higher chance that marvel will, will bring them in um, as the rebooted versions of the character yeah, and I think they will. I'm not sure about just which way Marvel is going to go, though, because they have so many characters that, you know, and they prove them with things like Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange, because, right. okay, you're going to get three Doctor Strange movies. You're going to get three Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They're already working on a third one for that. And so then you have, you know, new characters like Black Panther coming up. You have Captain Marvel coming up. 
And so from there, I think, you know, from Captain Marvel, you're definitely going to get a Miss Marvel. They've already mentioned Miles, or at least, you know, there's a reference made to him in the new Spider-Man Homecoming. So you're mm-hmm. going to see these characters in one way or the other. I would love to see the Young Avengers. But at the same time, the Young Avengers, just some of their individual characters, their rights are tied up in other universes, yeah. the Fox and all that. So who knows where they're going to go. But yeah, you're going. I don't think that Marvel is going to run away from diversity, especially in the like they might run away from it in the comic world because they just don't know what they're doing over there. But as far as in the film world, I don't think they're running away from it at all. I think we're going to see more and more of it, you know, as time goes on, because it's just there's too much money to be made for one. And then you're they're going to see the reaction from things like Black Panther making all this dough that it's about to make. You're going to see the reaction when Captain Marvel hits, if it's well done and you're going to you know make mm-hmm. all that dough for women. And so it's like, and then they're coming with the animated film of Miles Morales already. Right. So that's going to make hella dough. And then they'll be like, okay, let's just put him in the real universe too. So yeah, I think one way or the other, you're going to see a lot of these characters and a lot more diversity from Marvel in the future. Oh, that's what's up. I, yeah. I like your I like your response to that, Ben. I mean, you know what you're talking about. You must have read a comic book or two over the years. I, you know, I've read a few, you know, <laughs> one or three. I don't know. Not not too many, you know, according to Twitter and the internet. But, yeah. you know. You're just some random on the street. I get it. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, as always, if you do have a question for us, hit us up at contact at fanbros.com. Big shouts to Donzel and Jay for sending in those questions this time. You know, we need any type of question, any feelings you got, you know, anything you want to talk to us about, let us know and we'll answer it for you. You know, we bring the goods to you here on Fanbros Show. And you know what else is really good? Tech Talk with Tatiana. Tech news with Tatiana is really good, but what's about to happen is not really good. Wait. Okay. Particularly, I'm talking about net neutrality. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something, this is a topic that I've talked about on many previous episodes of the show. I know we tweet about it all the time. We talk about it on social media in general, about how important net neutrality is. And again, net neutrality basically means all internet traffic is treated equal. Um, That means there are complete consumer protections on um, the types of sites that consumers can access. There aren't... um, We're not giving... Internet service providers are not giving preferences to or precedent to to other companies to allow them to have faster access or allow people to get to those companies. So, for instance, you have Verizon as an ISP. Verizon works with Amazon because Amazon is this huge company. Amazon could pay to get the fastest access ever, whereas little independent us, Fanbro Show, may have a problem getting to you. You may try to go to our site and you'll see that forever, the, the forever wheel, the forever pinwheel, <laughs> the, the loading wheel, things like that. So imagine where you have sites all over the internet where if they're not able, for whether it's monetary, they're not able to pay to have uh, prioritize access or for a number of different reasons why you may go to that site and you have trouble accessing it. And it has nothing to do with um, their server they're on. It has nothing to do with your internet speed. It's all about the fact that there's no neutral internet there. So the reason why that is also important is because in about five days, it'll be a few days later by the time you hear this, but in about five days, there's going to be the first deadline for comments on the FCC's plan to roll back the net neutrality rules. So 
the Obama administration put in the rules that all internet traffic should be create, uh, should be treated equal. And now the Trump administration and Ajit Pai, who is the FCC's chairman, are trying to roll back those rules. So if you were online today, you saw many, many different companies, tech companies, media companies, including ourselves, putting into action the idea that we need to tell the FCC, this is our internet and we will fight for it. So today you saw people like Amazon, Spotify, Reddit, Facebook. I use Amazon as an example of, of a tech giant that could get away with it, but they're actually on the side of the people. So definitely read up on net neutrality, learn more about it, and put in your letter to the FCC. Tell them why it's important. Tell them why net neutrality is so important. Mm-hmm. Make sure, you know, like Tatiana said, hit us up on Fanbro's show on Twitter. You know, you can find the links there so you can easily just send in your email to these people. You don't have to, you know, actually send a physical letter for those right. out there who are like, yo, oh, what? No, you can just send an email, but we definitely need it. Everyone needs to do this. You know, you put your word out there and we've seen even with this current nonsense in office, when people put their word out there, change still happens. So, boom, do it. And finally, in tech news, um, very related to Overwatch, Doomfist was released on the test server. Yes. Uh, now, I know you don't have the PC version, but no. I know you got to see him in action. What do you think about Doomfist? I mean, I'm loving it. You know, people have been waiting for Doomfist basically since his game launched because one of the missions involves his gauntlet. You know, there's been posters of him on several maps. There's all kind of lore related to him. He's one of the villains of Talon, which is the criminal organization in Death Watch. I mean, Overwatch, Mm -hmm. like that whole, that has... Death uh, Watch. (laughs) Basically, that's what the game is. Basically. That that has uh, Reaper and Widowmaker amongst his members. And, you know, now we have one of the true leaders and one of the real villains of the game, Doomfist. And also, you know, another African character. He's from Nigeria, you know, so you get to see a black man who actually a lot of people were mad at at first trying to because Why, they thought, he's a villain? <laughs> no, not because he's a villain, because they thought, you know, he's the big, strong, angry black man. But as people have been playing him and hearing his voice lines and what he talks about and stuff, people are realizing that he's actually kind of a nerd. You know, he's like this big, strong, you know, definitely villainous character, but he's also a nerd. So people have been more appreciative of right. him. But they learn more about him. Anything like in terms of people's character against Overwatch, maybe you think they maybe haven't played the game or know enough about it because Overwatch is one of the few games where they really go heavy into the inclusion and diversity part. Like the, the, the characters that they have come up with and the characters that they've featured and optioned have been stuff like I would never think a game of, of this type would do. Like when you talk about Orisa and you talk about Orisa's um, uh, creator, and you talk about Numbani, which is the city within the the, the made up city within Niger- the Nigeria country, and then this idea of Doomfist himself. Like, there's actually a lot of diversity within Overwatch, and the way that they go about doing these stories is is pretty broad. And now this is true, but at the same time, you know, Blizzard, the company who makes it, they it have Blizzard. had they yes. have had their mistakes. You know, they've yeah. done things like you know the character Farah, who is an Egyptian character, and one of her skins is her wearing Native American clothing, and they oh, later yeah. cleared that up. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, they later kind of flipped that and cleared that up by saying that she's half Native. You know, her father right. is a Native American man, mm-hmm. and so. You know, they've done their things to clean up or make it right. But overall, yes, they've had a lot of great diversity. Now, as far as Doomfist himself as a character, 
I like it. I haven't got to play it. I've watched him on Twitch. You know, he has a lot of move sets that you haven't really seen in Overwatch before because he's a close-up encounter dude who really relies on comboing people Melee. because he punches you and melees you and uppercuts you. Lift he, you know, he has an attack that can actually lift you into the air and then he can hit you more after that, a bounce joint. So he can so juggle it, juggle. Juggle, yep. So he has, you know, a few different things that we haven't seen in Overwatch before. He's very quick. He moves across the map very quickly, you know, and people have been like, okay, he's going to be a problem for Genji and other characters like that. So we'll see what happens. I can't wait. You know, we got probably another week or so for him to be on Xbox and P- PS4 with the whole summer games this year coming, you know, some new skins for everyone plus the skins for Doomfist. So, you know, look. Look, if you haven't bought Overwatch yet, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm, I've been playing it for over a year now, and the game is still just, you know, great. Like, whew, yeah, I love this. I, I, I loved it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I love it a lot. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's the end of Tech News. Oh, well, thank you, Tatiana. And now, you know, from the guy who's read a couple comics in his life, it's time for... Comic Psychot. And actually, not too much this week. I do want to give a big shout out to Excel number two, the new comic from um, Lion Forge, because I really did not like number one. Like, as everyone knows, Lion Forge is the new diverse company. They launched Noble, which I'm feeling. I've been reading that. I think issue three is about to drop or just dropped. And, you know, I've been loving that, but I really wasn't feeling Excel. Excel's written by Joe Casey with art by Damian Strott, and it features a young Latino speedster, kind of like The Flash. And the first issue, I just wasn't really getting much from it. Now, Joe Casey's a really dope writer. Like, he had this run on Wildcats that is just revolutionary. So he's, you know, definitely got the chops, but the first issue just felt kind of, like, goofy and silly, you know? Mm-hmm. Then the second issue drops today, and it gets bugged out and metaphysical and all kind of weird stuff happens. And now I'm fully on board because the art by Damien Strott is sick. Like, that's what had me, you know, going through the first issue, even when I wasn't feeling it as much. But in the second issue, the art is shining. The writing is getting really bugged out. It seems this isn't some typical tale of another speedster like Flash. So I can't wait to see where they're going with this. Definitely check out Excel. Check out everything from Lion Forge, for that matter. Also, this week, I picked up The American Way, Those Above and Those Below by John Ridley and George's Genty. I think it's George's Genty. <laughs> We're going to go with George's. You're supposed to say it with a question mark at the end. George's? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably wrong on that. But The American Way is a really ill comic. It kind of reminded me of like a Watchmen type situation. Where it has these, it starts off, the first issue has these superheroes who were superheroes in the past, but for the most part, all of them have been retired or forced to retire by the government. And it takes place back in the past of America, like during the 1960s. And it's like each of these superheroes in the first issue is, you know, off retired, either just doing nothing or acting clandestine and still Mm -hmm. being a superhero. But... I just liked it, you know, because it it had this real world feeling to it. Plus it had the past, you know, the 60s and stuff going on. And I really don't know where it's going just yet, you know, because it's still the first issue. But 
I definitely like that there's something different to check out. The American Way, those above and those below. And also this week, Animosity number two, The Rise dropped, which, you know, everybody knows I'm a huge fan of Animosity. Issue eight is also out. But The Rise is a side series still written by Marguerite Bennett, the creator of Animosity. Mm -hmm. But it features another story about the rise of the animals because Animosity basically starts off with all these, you know, every animal on the planet suddenly gaining sentience. Like every animal starts talking everything they know their history their past they know what you were doing like if it was your dog they know if you were you know a good owner or not and so every animal you know suddenly does this and starts talking and the world goes nuts and so animosity is one of those series where it takes place like months after that happened like it starts showing you you know every animal waking up and then it cuts to like months or even a year or so after this why animosity to rise is showing you what happened in that time from another point of view, from other characters. So it's okay. definitely a great series. I'm loving Animosity. I'm loving The Rise. The Rise only comes out, you know, like once every few months. So this is the second issue. The next issue will be out in September. Also this week, Dark Days, the prelude to Metal by Scott Snyder, which is DC's big summer crossover event, I guess. It's <laughs> a I don't know. Uh, people really liked it. I found the first issue pretty confusing. I really wasn't sure what exactly they're going with this, but they say this is something really crazy. And Scott Snyder really killed it on his Batman run, so I trust them. So I'll keep going with it and see where it goes and let y'all know, you know, as the summer progresses, how this is going. Dope. And that's it for comic news this week. Like I said, not too much this week. I'm still getting through that Monsters trade if you haven't been reading it. Definitely check it out. And one last note, I was appeared on the Monster Society of Comics podcast this week. We were talking about all kind of different stuff. You know, each of us, the four guests on the show, each brought up their favorite comic they read in June. And mine was Black Bolt by Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward. If you haven't been reading Black Bolt, yo, that shit, it, like I said before, it's my pick like Vision was from Marvel last year. Like, wow. this is going to be that book. Saladin... This is his first comic ever. He's a, you know, novelist and he's killing it. You know, so definitely look out for that. The art by Christian Ward, sick, 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 sick. Three issues out so far. Make sure y'all check that out. And in some other comic mo uh, movie related news in the sequel to Ant-Man Ant <laughs> Ant and the Wasp, which is the sequel to Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is coming next year from Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we already saw this week, we saw, we got to see the Wasp in her suit, you know, on a poster for Comic-Con, which is coming up in a couple of weeks in San Diego. But also the news is this week that Bill Foster, a.k.a., wait for it, Black Goliath, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's a black guy who grows. He's really big. So, he's he's yes. really tall. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like, instead of being giant, I mean, actually he does get the giant man later on, but he's first known as... Black Goliath. Yeah, well, Bill Foster, Black <laughs> Goliath, will reportedly appear in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So that's good to know because I like his character, even though in the comic books he catches the worst bad one. He keeps getting killed. Like, he show. I mean... Uh, uh, he came around in like the seventies, right? First, yep. but like in the subsequent Obviously, stories, black right? Black alive. But in subsequent stories, even throughout the decades, it feels like, or from what I've read, he just keeps dying. 
It's not that he keeps dying. They keep it's using that he him dies. as a plot device. And then he, he dies as a plot device. And then even after that, he's used as a plot device in his death. Like his death, you know, and the reactions from it. I mean, that's usually what happens, though. People die and somebody else's reacts. You right. Know? But I feel like that's has been his only use. He's been a plot device of death. Uh, yeah, I mean, about that. Um, I think we got some other news. Um, <laughs> oh, that must be right. <laughs> oh, um, man. This one is really interesting to me because Matt Reeves is starting mm-hmm. from scratch with the Batman script, reportedly, and not using Jeff Johns or Ben Affleck's Batflex. <laughs> Batflex script. Yeah, I call him Batflex. When, when Ben Affleck is in the suit, he's Batflex. Um, right. but, but without the animosity that I had towards him like a couple of years back. But that being said, yeah, there is reports because... Yeah, hold he's... on, though. That's right. Yo, long-time listeners of Fanbro's show yeah. will know I hated that it. I said I was down with Batflex from the gate. And I was not at all. Oh. I was just like, hell no, hell no, hell no. And then I saw it and I'm like, all right. I was proven wrong. But yes, Matt Reeves had said recently that he was starting, quote unquote, from the beginning when it came to the script. So a a lot of us was reading into that and taking it like, oh, so you're just starting from scratch. And everything that he's been saying is pointing towards that. So and also, as you know, Batman, Ben Affleck has... Uh, has left the director's chair. He was supposed to both direct and star, but he stopped doing that. Well, he, he like maybe four months ago, he decided he wasn't going to do that because he wanted to focus in on his um on taking care of his 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 alcohol abuse issue. So he it was a lot of work and it's, it, it was it's a lot of stuff to focus on when you're trying to focus on yourself. You can't really try to direct the whole ass movie like that. So. <laughs> Um, he's still going to be starring as Batman, but his script that he had penned is apparently out the window. And then Jeff Johns himself, his, his script's out the window. No, that's good news to me because Matt Reeves, you know, has done War of the Planet of the Apes, which everyone is saying is the best one. And, you know, I trust him as a director, obviously. And then if he's writing something new and it's his own vision, and he's also said that he really wanted to go hard on the detective act- aspect of Batman and, the, you know, mm. the noir aspect of Batman, which is, while it's been done in Nolan, that was one thing that was left out was the real detective, you know, like the world's greatest detective. And that's really never been done in Batman. And you've already seen him as like the Cape Crusader version in you know batman versus superman so if they bring in you know they got the capes crusader already going you get the world's greatest detective a little dark knight in there you know you got the three probably you know most iconic versions of batman so let's do it you don't think batfleck was being a detective when he found all the everyone for the justice league including that robot that random (laughs) the robot that doesn't have a name (laughs) he got straight up emailed that joint i don't know how much of a detective it was also i'm really not (laughs) sure how much of a damn detective he was to not figure out over over the year (laughs) that clark kent probably was you know and not even just the fact that he's but that he's across the water for him like uh, how do y'all again how do you not know all these things and how do you not know what's going on or where the guy came from or where he stay at when literally he's across the water from you you just trying to go over there and, you know, have a chat with Superman during that whole time? Nah. 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 But we'll never get the answer to that. That said, I don't hate Batfleck anymore. I'm looking forward to seeing what this new script is going to be like. Uh, and what we also wanted to mention, where I'm not really so sure I care about it, but there there is a Bumblebee spinoff movie. That's the Transformers Bumblebee, the yellow car. And that movie is eyeing Rachel Crow to play a key role. When they say key role, I don't know if that means lead or if that just means love interest. I mean, Transformers is a very 
typically two-dimensional series uh, by Michael Bay, if Michael Bay hems it. But um, so I, I don't know what that means when they say key role. But that said, uh, Rachel Crow, she was featured in Deidre and Lainey Rob a Train on Netflix. She's also done a lot of voice acting. She's done the uh, the the DreamWorks Home voice acting for Netflix. She's done uh, voice acting on Rio, Rio too, about about the birds. Um, I don't really know much about Rio, but she uh, has she has some work under her her belt. So interesting to see what they're gonna do with her character and if she joins on. And I also heard that Bumblebee might take place in the '80s for some reason too. So. Who knows? And also, I also heard recently that Wonder Woman 2 is going to take place in the 80s. So it's like... There's speculation about I mean, I know the 80s that. are popping right now. So I know it's like but 80s, no, 90s. No, it's the 90s that are popping right now. This so. is also true. So yeah. It's, except for like Stranger Things. We're talking about something like Stranger Things. And well, yeah. see, that's what I mean. I think they're, I think that's why. You know, it's like the 80s and 90s. It's I know the 90s that are more like, you know, everybody wants to be with the 90s right now in terms of yeah. like fashion, etc. But... I think it's, you know, the 80s just for such an iconic era for film, et cetera, that I think people always want to return to that. I think it works best returning to the 80s when you're doing things like drama or horror. But then when you're doing things that that are more poppy, if you will, so music, um, fashion, all that other stuff, I, I like that they try to go back to the 90s. That's what I feel works the best. I don't think everything needs to go back to the 80s. No, but the one thing about this that I do like is, well, two things about it is that Michael Bay is not evolved as director. And the other thing is that, you know, Transformers comes from the 80s. So it could actually be a return to form. And, you know, you might get some good jokes out of it and all that. And thank you for answering my earlier question. Michael Bay is not involved. So So it may not be as two dimensional as we think. Um, I wanted to also mention for some reason Suicide Squad. Squad 2 is probably going to start filming in mid-2018. Do you think there's going to be more whack killer croc lines? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes, I think so. But, (sighs) you know, they've got room to improve. So that's the, you know, all I can say about that. Um, But in some news that I'm actually really excited about is, and I'm going to butcher her name real quick, Nindy. Nindy Okorafor. Nindy Okorafor. There we go. Her novel, Who Fears Death, has been optioned by HBO for a series executive produced by none other than George R.R. Martin. Clap for that woman right there. Applaud that right there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is one of the hugest news that came out of this week. She tweeted that on her account, and, like, we follow her, so we were just thrilled. And also, just simply as a person who's into um, sci-fi and into fantasy and into the aspect of entering um, um, African culture into those spaces. Love it. So yes. her, um, I don't, I, I'm not sure if you've, if you've read Who Fears Death, but it's an African-based story. It takes place in like a fictionalized post-apocalyptic Sudan, and the story is of uh, of a hero that's a child of, of mixed color. That's important because in this Sudan, this version of Sudan, the the country's class system is divided by race and skin tone. So there is this child that's of mixed color that that has a lot of just crazy back history to uh, uh, to them, and um, their father is a sorcerer. 
and mm-hmm. really powerful. And, you know, it's out. It's, it's a lot of different themes in this book. And I really rather you guys check it out, like check it out on Amazon or wherever else you get your books. It's called Who Fears Death. But the fact that this is going to be created into a whole series on HBO. Oh, my God. All I need now is Octavia Butler stuff to be reproduced and I'll be good. I mean, but, you know, that it is crazy because right now we got Lovecraft uh, Country coming. Yep. And then we got, you know, Who Fears Death coming. So that is like, you know, things are popping over in that world. And this looks like, you know, some things that might actually bring HBO back. Unlike, you know, Westworld. I mean, you know, shout outs to Westworld. It is what it is. And the <laughs> fact that they are really trying to still do these five Game of Thrones spinoffs or whatnot. And they say they're now, you know, closer to reality. But we will not see them until Game of Thrones, the main series, is done. So that's looking at something like 2020 for real, because Game of Thrones is not going to be done. I don't think it's going to even be done in 2018 if, you know, if it doesn't come at the end of 2018, because they're going to go extra long with the final episodes. You know, every episode in the final season is supposed to be like an hour and a half, like a full movie length episode. Right. Yeah. So they say like 70 be- minutes or something like that. You mean 90. for the for ninety? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, hour and a half. Yeah, no, they're not playing. So it and so because of that, you know, the production time is going to be a lot longer. So we're not going to see that for a while. So don't even worry about those spinoffs. Worry about who fears death. Make sure you check the book out. I'm going to have to read it immediately now because I got to be up on this. And since we're talking about TV news, let's mention the fact that the first episode of Luke Cage season two will be directed by none other than Lucy Liu. Lucy has a lot of directing credits. She actually did four episodes of Elementary, which she is a co-star in. And when I saw that, I was just like, whoa, 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 this is crazy. Like, I was so excited because... Like, well, number one, let's put a woman in the driver's seat. Let's put an Asian woman in the driver's seat and let her do Mm -hmm. her thing because she is so freaking talented. And she had made a statement that she said it's an honor to work with such a passion, uh, a passionate and fearless team. And she's super excited as well. But I'm just more so interested in the fact that that Lucy has an eye like she has that director's eye. And I will I cannot wait to see what she does with Luke Cage. And being that it's the very first episode of the season, it's it's literally and figuratively has to hit you with a bang. Like it really has to go all out. So I'm 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 really curious and interested to see what she comes up with, what she cooks up. And also Luke Cage related, Nima Barnett, uh, who is a stage director, writer, producer, she's done Queen Sugar, Being Mary Jane, The Breaks. She's actually gonna be directing at least one Luke Cage episode starting in August. So wow. Yeah, so right now the talent, the directorial talent for Luke Cage, it's panning to be amazing, and I'm really, really excited to see what comes of it. Yeah, because I know Queen Sugar has, Sugar has had some amazing visuals, and Queen, also I really oh, yes. like that because that's two women working on it, and I know that every episode of Jessica Jones is directed by a woman in the second season, but mm-hmm. I really like to see when you know people get to do opportunities that aren't just like, okay, you're a woman director, we'll come direct this show that stars women. Like, right, so they're not on. just filling in a slot or or, yeah. or or just saying, oh, okay, we have to meet our quota. Like These are people who who they were sought after because of their talent. 
And that's what I wanted to see more. There's people, let people do what they can do based on their talent. Not, oh, well, we need a black woman, so let's stick her in there. Like, nah, nah, nah. Like, yes, we need our opportunities for people of color. Yes, we need opportunities for women and all the different subsets that go between and all the intersectionalities. I also think it's important that the projects that we get put on, we get put on based on our talents as well. Like, Mm -hmm. we can have uh, uh, an Asian-led a film about romance and Asian life film about sci-fi and this, you know, I mean, it could go across the board. I just want to see that happen more regularly, consistently. And whether it's a TV show or movie, whatever, give, we got to let us in these spaces. And then where you don't let us, we're going to do it ourselves. Right. Yep. And also speaking of TV and comic books, Milana Vaintrub has been cast as Squirrel Girl in Freeform's New Warriors TV series. And most of y'all will know her from those, uh, what's the joint with the orange joint? She's in all the cell phone commercials, wherever the people walk into the cell phone store and want to buy up the cell phone. Mm. Oh, my God. That's so ridiculous that there's all so many, like, I still don't know what company that's for. That's how little I care for the commercials. (laughs) The commercials not doing a good job. (laughs) No, but she's always funny in them. And that's the thing. It made her a star, but it didn't make the cell phone a star. So, bitch shouts to her, you know. And people tell me that she has a lot of YouTube stuff where she's really great and has great comedic timing. And that's essential for Squirrel Girl because Squirrel Girl is one of the most ridiculous and also greatest Marvel characters so, you know, this is a great casting. Everyone's really excited about it. I definitely am. The uh, New Warrior series will be on Freeform coming next year. So look out for that. That's ABC Family that was rebranded into yep, Freeform. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. And in some news, man, you know, it's been great and bad news all week. Uh, I mean, I don't know how this is going to go. Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, everybody's somewhat favorite director, is developing a film based around the Manson family murders. Which is one of those things that, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. But at the same time, I also have to remember that, like, uh, Inglorious Bastards was based around World War II. And then it takes place in, like, this fantastical world where the bastards end up shooting Hitler in a movie theater. So, you know, I don't, you know this is not going to be some true-to-life thing because the Manson family murders are really... Like, other people have been saying, well, this is a free license, you know, for white people to say the N-word in this movie. Because the Manson family were definitely some outright racists and believed in a race war and wanted to ignite a race war. And that's why they went off and killed the people that they killed. So, it is some, you know, it's a very touchy subject, to say the least. Every Tarantino movie, almost every Tarantino movie, has some white person saying the N-word. So, it's just probably, like you said, it just... Less, who knows how many times it's going to be. So is this supposed to be not a biography? It's supposed to just no, be like an interpretation? No, definitely not a biography. It's just like based around it. You know, oh, so that could also, be anything. It's Tarantino. It could, yeah. he, he could go anywhere with this. It's, it's just it's, like how, um, what's the movie? I don't know. It wasn't actually called Son of Sam. Was it Spike Lee's movie that was based around? Son of Sam. The, yeah. But was that based on, who were you going to say that was based on? It's based around the Son of Sam killings. Like they, they happen in the movie, but that's not really what the movie is about. The movie is about, you know, this, these people who are living in New York at the time of the killings. Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So we'll see where this goes. You know, one last thing about that, though, is this, is, this will be Tarantino's ninth film. And he says he's going to retire at 10. Which, it doesn't feel like he's only... So you're saying he's only done nine films in his only life? Only done eight. The hateful eight. eight was his eight. Why do I so, feel yeah. like he has... I mean, not that what he's done isn't 
you know, isn't cool. It's just, why do I feel like he's done so many more films? I, I think don't know. it's because of the impact and so many people bit his style, you know, so mm. that after that, it's like, it seems like every damn movie, especially for a minute in the 90s, it was like every damn movie seemed like it was done by him because they right. were all biting his stuff. Hmm, okay, I guess so. Yeah. Rounding out the TV news, I wanted to mention that Stranger Things season two is dropping October 27th. The season two teaser poster dropped today and it showed the the boys on their bikes um you don't see 11 but you know she's gonna be in the next season she was out roughing it last time we 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 checked out with her so october 27 2017 you'll see stranger things season two um the do you watch gotham still Nah, nah i know it's it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and i know people love it and I don't watch Gotham anymore. I haven't watched Gotham this year, year at all, to be honest with you. But that the the gentleman that plays Alfred on the TV show, he wants a Batman movie very badly starring the cast of Gotham. <laughs> I like how you laugh, because that must mean it'll never happen. I mean, I want a rocket ship, you know, but <laughs> I'm just here in the spaceship tonight. So, yeah. Uh, it yeah. is It is what it is. Yeah, you can keep wanting on that, bro. I'm, you know, I don't know where that's trying to go. I, and, I did want to say one thing about the uh, Stranger Things, though, that yeah. the creator said that they're going to go much more horrific in the second season and that everybody's favorite. Uh, who What's her name? Beth. I can't remember the, the shorty's name who who got sucked into the down under and everybody. Barb. Was she, Barb. Barb. Yeah. Barb is dead. You know, sorry to break your hearts, but well, we know also, she's dead. We know. I know, but people were still holding out hope there. So, you know, I just try to let y'all know before y'all sit down and watch the whole second season and wonder where Barb is. She got hemmed up in like this giant spiderweb looking thing. She's done. Yeah, pretty she's much. Done. She's done. Um, in news that's very interesting to me and very relevant to my interests, uh, the Castlevania producer Adi Shankar, he wants to make a gritty Metroid anime series. So. Nice. Which which I think can really really work nice. because Android's already Android uh, Metroid is already kind of gritty anyway. What uh, is it? And, 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 like I don't know if anyone's like looked at stuff recently, but yeah, it's pretty gritty anyway. No, I mean from like the original from game, the video Metroid game. Was original, gritty. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was yeah, dark. The, yeah. It was very dark. Yeah. So Shankar is known because uh, because he's done gritty again hyper violent short films based on the Punisher Venom. And Power Rangers. So the fact that, you know, the, we just got off this run of an am, the amazing sh- but short four-episode Castlevania series. Y'all need to watch that. It's very good. Um, the fact that he wants to now turn around and do Metroid, I'm all about it. It seems like this formula is working when it comes to video game adaptations. Also, it not being live action helps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's probably that's crazy because we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. But now Castlevania, I haven't got to watch it. But, you know, it's judging really by Outlaw Bars and you, yeah. you know, the reaction to it, this is probably the best video game, you know, adaptation ever. Right. I said that to myself it's when I was watching bar. it. It's I mean, a it's low a low bar. bar. But also, I said that to myself, but also remember, we were also talking about live action. When it yeah. comes to live action, there really is any... But hell, even in cartoons, I mean, those are pretty terrible, too, because they've had a lot of bad, you know, Mega Man, Sonic, I mean. Whoa, 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 talk for yourself. You never liked any of the Sonic cartoons? The Sonic cartoons? There were several, but you don't, you didn't, oh, wow. I enjoy the Sonic cartoons. You might need to back up. You're going to get some angry mail. (laughs) That's that's on them, you know, and that's on you. Hey, you know, (laughs) some people, you know, like Batman versus Superman a lot. You know, I wasn't one of those people. Um, I mean, actually, you know, I can't lie to I find that joint highly entertaining in its terribleness. <laughs> no, it is. 
highly. And, it's it's just like a lot of the adaptations. Like uh, what's the one? Final Fight. I thought that was, you know, Mortal Kombat. You know, they were great and terrible, good and good uh, and terrible. You know, and the right. to Charles Barkley. And finally, in TV news, this Halloween, get ready for an animated special for CBS starring Michael Jackson. No. <laughs> whoa, 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 slow down there. Slow down there. That's wild, disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, it's not starring Michael Jackson. No, the reason why I said it like that is because it just came out of left field. A lot of people, yeah. including myself, were waiting for, I don't know, music um albums things like that and they decide and like they they made it a big deal that they were going to had a huge his, his estate they had a huge announcement like like they hyped it up hyped it up hyped it up and then they said yeah it's going to be an animated special featuring michael jackson's music yeah and yeah. i was just like what and then, so that's why i'm not disrespecting the kang what i'm saying is i was really highly i felt disrespected when they gave me that news yeah i'm wild i'm wildly disrespected by his estate never disrespected yeah. the king but as usual you know shouts to jay-z 444 you know greedy ass is <laughs> you know running these estates and you know we're getting an animated special featuring his music instead of like a dangerous you know retrospective right. album or anything you know worthwhile but i, I also not 100 percent i want any more new music from michael like i'd like well, to maybe- see like remastered versions of his old albums well that's but, what the yeah. the ask was for not new music because we don't even yeah. know what's in the vault if there is anything else but yeah. really remaster stuff stuff that hasn't been released on one disc before things like mm-hmm. that but yeah. hey whatever um but to that point the 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 animation is not doesn't even really star him it stars just these two random characters and a dog and then at the finale there's going to be an animated michael jackson i'm a little nervous about that but let's see what happens <laughs> Let's Whoa. see. What Hopefully this is better happens. than when, this, when he started. Well, no, that was a classic. Happy birthday, Lisa. When he started oh, no, on The that Simpsons. Was, that was dope. Classic. That was dope. Classic. Yeah. But anyway, get ready to see Michael Jackson this Halloween. Yep. And as, you know, we round out this, finish up this episode, you know, I wanted to have D. Chico Leo return for a special guest appearance tonight, but he could not make it onto the spaceship. You know, he's still out on his spacewalk. You can find him on Stream Squad every other week. You know, we already shouted out Outlaw Bars, but make sure you check out Stream Squad, the horror-based podcast, as well as Slam Bros featuring LOYC and Bowman 12L, where they're talking about all that wrestling that you need to get. And, you know, if you don't know, Outlaw Bars Pod, the mm-hmm. anime podcast. Big shout out to the hashtag Outlaw Views popping this weekend with that Castlevania. Yeah, man. And, you know, talk about Netflix, you know, and Chico's not here, but I did want to give a shout out to his pick of the week because, you know, we don't get to do it every week, but I got to peep this joint on Netflix. I know a lot of people have already seen it, but I really wanted to shout it out. It's this movie, Ocha. And it's directed by Bong Joon-ho, and he's a Korean director. People say all his joints are like this. They're just great films. I'm not sure. This is the first one of his movies I've seen. But this is a very ill-ass movie featuring this super pig. And <laughs> I just, I really super. just wanted to do this. I still haven't to, seen it, but so now I really I, just you've been talking to do this to say super pig. every time they said that in the movie i am crying super pig but basically it's like the movie is about this corporation that develops these super pigs which are like these giant pigs i mean the joint is like you know about maybe seven feet tall and about like seven eight feet long you know it's a big giant pig that is intelligent and it's they 
do this whole publicity scheme where they send out these pigs to various great, you know, pig raisers around the world. And then they're going to come back and like, you know, 10 years later, pick the best pig and give that, you know, uh, farmer or whatever, you know, all kind of money and all this stuff. Right. So the movie is about this one pig with this girl in Korea and how she raises the pig and grows to love the pig. And it's like becomes part of the family. Basically, it's her and her father. And then the corporation comes and takes the pig away for this contest. But she knows that the corporation's up to no good. And she chases after her pig. And mad adventures happen after that. But it's a very dope. I mean, the movie shot dope. The pig Ocha is just so beautifully animated. So well done. So many like great action sequences and all this in it. But at the same time, it's a very touching movie and i want to say something that if you're not vegetarian or vegan will definitely make you reconsider eating meat again because oh damn really yeah it's definitely about that you know it definitely has those and the end of the movie is tense to say the least i don't even want to give anything more than that away but it is a Ooh, it's it's a rough one. It's a great movie. It's a tearjerker. You know, you're going to feel it. But I would definitely recommend checking it out. Ocha, that's OKJA. It's on Netflix right now. Just a great film, you know, and well worth a watch. Wow. Yep. So shout out to that. Also, I wanted to shout out to Divi- uh, the Defiant Ones on HBO. It's a four-part uh, miniseries documentary about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. That is just a very well done uh, series. It's directed by one of the uh, one of the Allen brothers, the twins who did Minister Society and a bunch of other joints, and just a very beautifully shot documentary and very revealing and just so much you learn about both Jimmy and Dr. Dre that you might have known or you didn't know, and just really well done because it shows how they are just coming up, like. It shows like where each of them was in like let's say 1983 or 1991, and how right. they were influencing each other, or you know even before they connected, how they were just influencing the music industry as a whole. So the Defiant Ones is on HBO right now. Definitely check that out. You can watch all four parts on on demand. Dope. Yeah. So shout outs to the Chico Leo. He'll be stopping back through very soon. You know, little picks of the weeps for him. You know, we love you, Chico. And as always, you know, we're coming to the end of yet another glorious fan bro show. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, you know, go over to SoundCloud and iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment on iTunes. Please make sure you leave a comment and a rating. We need those like that helps us so much to rise up in power so we can continue to take over the world like we do, you know. And you want to be along for that, right? You know, otherwise we're just trying to have to crush you. 